Welcome to what is hopefully a new show here with FSN, FSN Interviews. I'm your host Wes Carey, and my guest at this time, he is a center for the Edmonton Totems, a former player for Ohio State Mammalarian, and was once considered the best snare drummer in the world. He's now shooting hoots in Edmonton and spending time with his boyfriend, a certain pudgy wolf from Montreal, it's Cassius Watterson! Cassius, Thanks welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, you you hit it on the head there with the, that introduction. I mean, with it being, I mean, I I especially that bit with the best new drummer in the world. I mean, technically, I am like judge judging like judging wise, I am uh-huh. um, because I mean, but we do have the new season coming up of FDCI, and we have the new uh, individual ensemble tournament that will be coming in so i'm about to get the throne because of the stupid age out rules but hey i mean know, it, ha- it happens to the best of us it happens to the best it of does us happen to, it does happen <laughs> to the best of us and um well seriously thank you thank you for letting me on your show and um it's i'm i'm very happy to be here i'm glad that i can finally have this talk um like face to face with somebody like really get my life across um Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, I mean, it's just. I mean, you don't have much to say. We can kind of move on here. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, I think we've ran out of. Yeah, I let's. Biggest stimulus into this conversation. Yeah, I think let's kind of move on the topic here. Uh, you were originally born in Tampa, is that correct? Uh, right. Uh. this out. Uh, uh, so, you originally born in Tampa, is that correct? Is it working now? I got it. Alright. Alright, so I'll have to edit some stuff out there if I'm gonna get on with it. Alright. Alright, we're back to start, it. Start with the Tampa deal or? Yeah, just give me a sec. Alright. So you you were born in Tampa, is that correct? Uh yeah, I was born in um born in Tampa, Florida, and, um, I mean, very interesting locale. It's not Orlando, it's not Miami, it's not Jacksonville, it's not the capital, um, Tallahassee, not Orlando, um, I get that all the time, I hear that, oh, Orlando, or it's like, oh, you live by Orlando, you live by the capital, right? No. The capital of Florida is Tallahassee, 
not Orlando. It should be Orlando, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Because some government schmoes back in the 1800s decided it was going to be Tallahassee. So it's Tallahassee. Yeah, I get. I can see you pretty much got the same opinion as Sydney signs have with Canberra being the capital of Australia. Like, uh, they just, they just, it should be us, not this thing they just built over here. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, do you want to kind of go on a bit about how how your childhood was in Tampa? Like, I mean, you were a bit of a big kid, perhaps yeah, maybe even the main. I don't know where I was going with this, but you were a bit of a big kid, maybe on the other side of being bullied or stuff I mean just tell us a bit about it. Yeah, I had to um, I had to overcome a bit of that um, with me um, being as tall as I am uh, and I mean it's it's a lot of it was a lot of pressure from students and it and it was a lot of like I would go to school and they'd be afraid of me because I was just so tall and I was so like large I was like a giant by the time I was in fifth grade I was about the height of most teachers and it was it was to the point where I was getting I wouldn't keep like teachers would like come up to me and like ask me questions about other teachers and I'm like why are you asking me this and they're like wait you're not a teacher and I'm like no I'm in your class and it was these very interesting little points there where people they would just straight up forget that I was a student where I would get like picked on for being for being really like being really tall and um and it was and it got to the point where i started thinking like very very unfortunately i started thinking maybe being me being this tall is a bad thing and maybe me like being over six foot in middle school was you know a bad thing was a was like a was like a was like a punishment from mm-hmm. that that's not going and it got to the point where uh in very very um very dark it got to the point where my childhood sort of got tarnished because i um it was to the point where i had a like a body i basically had a body image disorder i it was to the point where i didn't see myself as i saw my body as like I saw my height as a disease, not not as a trait. No, I saw it as something that I had to get rid of, not something I should accept. And so, um, my I just it it was to the point where I was like, just just go ahead. We can just just go ahead. So, um, uh, just uh, go back to the previous thing you were talking about, and just like with the height bit, and just uh, this is getting a bit. Yeah, this uh, is getting a bit weird. Okay. Uh, just go back to the back to the. Oh, god. Back to the back to the height. Yeah, I got Star it. Star the height stuff because like this is just like god, I'm gonna have to edit multiple points. Hopefully, there's a loss, but I'm gonna have to edit out. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Um, so just uh, just start now okay and it and so it got to the point where like me i saw like my height as a not as a not as a treat but more like a disease like something i had to get rid of and um it was to the point where i just stopped eating entirely 
I was eating probably once every three days or something crazy like that. I was stunting oh. myself, trying to stunt my own growth because I saw my height as something not to be proud of, but something to like want to get rid of. And and it came, it all sort of came to a head when I was in eighth grade. And uh, this is this is I mean this is probably the, the darkest, the, the, the deepest point in my entire life. And I was it was to the point where like I um I was I think I was in I was I, I was either at home or I was on my way to school and I just like and then like like all like I was I, I this is this was it I was walking to school and then forty five minutes later I'm in a hospital room and I had and the doctors were like, you basically fainted. You just collapsed on the side of the road. And then they, they took my, they took my weight. I was six foot, six foot, like six foot six in like 91 pounds. Oh. Like I was, or like between like 80 and 90 pounds, like 80 and, somewhere around there um the numbers are sort of mixed up in my head now but it was a bad situation it was it was to the point where i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't digest anything oh. and they had to put they had to intubate me or they had to uh iv me food like like nutrients into my bloodstream because i couldn't digest anything and i got to the point where like um and then they slowly got me back up and then uh, that's when I learned that I had that I that it wasn't just me not eating; I had anorexia. Oh, jeez, that, that's that's that, that's, that's terrible. Was. And that um, and it was like, and it was to the point where like, you know, and I and it and, it, uh, and I got therapy and I was recovering, and then, I mean, probably what uh, ten years later, look at me. Yeah, I'm seven six and three thirty five and three and close to three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, I I have completely turned it around. It's to the and I and I and people and I and I got flack on Twitter by um what's the guy's name? Uh, horse, Sterling Benson. Yeah, Sterling Benson, and uh, he's like, well, you know, if you eat so much, you're gonna be like unhealthy and like all this other stuff he was he was sort of badgering me about about my eating habits and i'm like well it's and then i i straight up basically got in pms and said well it's better than me being it's better than me dying from be better than me dying being critically underweight and not being able to digest anything i'd rather be a little bit overweight than dead and he shut up from there yeah never heard a word from me dead I would, I would think so. I mean, to, to hear that you went through that is very terrible to hear. I mean, I'm glad you've overcome mm-hmm. it and you're in a much Thank better you. place now. I mean, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a much better place. Um, and and then we, and then, uh, and I'm pretty sure you, you probably know exactly what I'm about to get in fact, exactly who I'm about to talk about. But uh, it's yeah. probably the only friend I ever had through my childhood, and that was Ateos. Um, okay. And um, his last name 
it's like Lu Lucaobos or something like okay. Lucaobi okay. or something like that. Okay. Um, he was he's Greek. Uh, he was very Greek family, and um, mm-hmm. he uh, a blue he was a blue jay, and um, he I was in third grade, and um, I always and I was kind of it was kind of known for me that I always sat alone at breakfast and lunch, or my school had breakfast. And uh, we we would do have breakfast, and I I would go in and I would always sit alone, and then one morning he comes up to me, shaking like a leaf, and then says, "Can I sit next to you?" And the tone in his voice made me know right then and there he was only sitting next to me on a dare. Mm. Other kids were going around daring people to sit next to me, like for for money. Like bets were being made on who was tough enough to sit next to me. It was almost like a. It was almost like a like a like a like a challenge of like, are you mad enough? You know, are are you are you hard enough? Are you man enough to sit next to? You know that guy and I mean and then we and then we he sat I'm like sure whatever you know sit next to me I, I don't know I'm like sure fine and then we sit down he start we start talking and then we really start hitting it off you know we're, we're really getting something here really getting a connection and at this point I was either I either didn't realize or I was too naive to realize that you know he was in a sense he was in a way the first person i ever really loved and this was before i really even realized that you know i i was you know i i was into who i'm into and this was i was either i either didn't realize it or i was just too naive to understand too too much of a child to understand, but we we were together all the way up to like not not like romantically together, but we were friends all the way uh-huh. up to um, the time I the day I got recruited to uh, Meriwether High School, and Meriwether High School was a private high school, um, and uh, and this is a, a very interesting little point here. And if you want to know what type of money point we're talking about here, uh, the uniforms for the school you had to get from the school. Like mm-hmm. everybody wore, like you know, it's it's like you know when you think of like prep schools, like in like England, yeah, where everyone's got like the vest with the emblem on of the school on it. Yeah, that was Meriwether. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's and, there's plenty of them uh, around I, here. <laughs> Yeah, and I had to deal with some, I'm just going to say, I had to deal with just the straight up, like, douchebag rich kids. Mm. And, I mean, growing up, my father was a, my father was a, was an FSPN reporter, Desmond Watterson. Yeah, uh, I thought of FSPN him. reporter, he, he ran the, uh, he ran the draft. He was one of the draft commentators on like 02 or 03. 
Um, yeah, you need a ton of you need a ton of cash in that one. I mean, I'd expect that. I mean, I've I've a lot of my colleagues have made a lot of cash over the years. <laughs> yeah, and but like the um this this high school is in Orlando and not in Tampa. We had to move into Orlando and move to a place called the uh, Metro West. And this was back at the time where Metro West was money, like it meant cash. You know, we were living or we we were. We went to Metro West and then moved over to uh, God. I don't even remember. The, I don't even remember the place's name anymore. But uh, I'll have to. I'll, I'll check it out right now. Fire it out. All right. Uh, uh, but if you if you want to know what type of um, uh, if you want to know what type of like living it was, I mean, we basically lived two doors down from uh. Oh, what's that guy's name? Um, we we lived right next door from. Uh, like, you know, uh, basically we live right. Basically, we live like three houses down from Tiger Woods. Ah, and then we were like across the street from, you know, you know, Shaq, and then. Like we, we, there was some like actors all over the place. Like we were in like big budget mansion territory. Oh, yeah, that and we were over here like, um, like it's like you know we we had some big money territory, and Meriwether High School was also around a place called the Carver Shores. Now, Carver Shores is the exact opposite of where I of where I lived in Orlando. It is like the Compton of Orlando. Oh. It's oh. it is like gang drug kingpin territory Ooh. all over like like real deal gang activity happening there. And there's one story that I, I there's one story that I really want to tell, and it's it's why you don't with Carver. It's why you don't mess with Carver Shores people. It's why you don't mess with the guy with the dudes from Carver Shores. And there's this there's this kid. All right, this is the guy. Uh, I also have a story of this guy who um who got up. You got like who came into school and then literally trashed the cafeteria and got two days of in school because he was mad that he had to drive his Bentley to school instead of his Aston Martin. Very fun story. And it's, it's going into my autobiography. It's a hilarious story. It certainly um, does sound like it. I mean, that, that sounds like something that a bloody F1 driver would do. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. Um, it really does. And I am, you know, and I, and I know F1 and I, I, I met, NF1, I met an F1 driver uh, a little bit ago. Um, who was it? Uh, and probably, probably Addison Tanward. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe him, maybe Addy. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because, you know, just because, you know, he, you know, I was, I was in, I was in Australia at the time doing something. I don't even remember what I was doing. But mm-hmm. I was in there doing something. When the Grand Prix was happening, and uh-huh. uh, I jumped 
that. Or I, I got tickets to the Grand Prix in Australia and jumped in and did that. Huh? But like that was that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like yeah, but mo- again, moving on. Uh, I digress. There is so this guy. It's the same guy. He's walking on the street. We're like around the outside border of Carver, right? And this guy, you know, this one dude. He like there's a guy walking down the sidewalk. We're we're both, you know, going down one way. He's going the other way. And this guy, being the absolute rich d bag kid he is, decides to insult the student on the clothes he's wearing. Ooh. This guy, this he points at him with like his finger. Dude grabs his finger, wrenches it back, breaks it in one shot, trips the guy, holds him down, pulls out a switchblade. Oh god. To the throat oh. and just says, "Are you done?" Let the guy go. He ran off. Kid ran off. I I would probably do that too. In fact, I probably wouldn't have even done what he did. Yeah, this guy. I mean, and I, I, I never met this guy before, and and that was the one point where I realized just how hard, how hardcore Carver Shores really is. Mm -hmm. It is, it is bad territory. Certainly sounds Um, like it. It's, it's, I mean, it's bad territory, and we have a place where, on, on, on the news, they called it Crime Hills. Not Pine Hills, which actually it's named, Crime Hills. Uh-huh. Newspapers call it that. The Orlando Sentinel, which, if you talk to anybody in Orlando, they call, always call it the Orlando Sentinel, just because... They are so biased. Even people who agree with its bias say it's biased. Well, um, I mean, I, I live in Australia and I've got a lot of papers like that. I mean, I just call them rags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it deals with that. But then, um, so I spent four years in Meriwether High. And then on my senior year, I get a little call from OSMU, the Ohio State Million University. And they're like, uh-huh. hey, we want to pay you full ride scholarship to play basketball with us. Wow. All you have to do is declare your major as you when you sign. Right. So you have to sign and then within thirty days you have to call in and declare your major. Right. I call in, I sign, of course, call in, declare my major, creative writing. All right, and I know I love I, and I get I get that same reaction every time, and it's like, yeah, Cassius Watterson, me, the the guy who's like, you know, everyone's like, this guy's probably gonna get a music degree, or for for reasons that we'll probably that we're probably just about to get into. Yeah, we will be getting into that in a minute, and um. Or like some sort of, you know, philosophy degree or some liberal arts degree. No, nope, creative writing. Uh-huh. And 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 the reason being is because I was in the process of writing what I thought was going to be my first book at the time. Never got it published. Don't have a book published. Haven't even finished a book yet. Need to. 
on I'm on track to finishing one. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm and I'm and I'm not gonna really give up anything about that because it would sort of spoil it. Uh-huh. But um, you know, but uh, yeah. And so probably the reason why everyone thought I was gonna be a music major. Do you want to do the honors and say it to me? Yeah, well, I think we'll move on to that. Um, you were in the in FDCI for quite a bit. How was your time yes. in it? Oh, um, it's like it's it's unbelievable. It's in it's unbelievably fun, unbelievably interesting, unbelievably chaotic, and then unbelievably intense as hell all oh. at the same time. Alright. You know, and I I I played in I technically played in two cores. One was open class and then the other one was world class. I played in Florida Heat one for for, for its last year of existence, which was twenty fifteen. Alright. And they were open class. We got second place in open class that year. Uh-huh. And then we ran out of funds, so it died. Well, and then I, um, without funds. And then, yeah, and then I took my because I because I, I I completely forgot to talk about it. I played snare and tenor drum. All right. For my high school, I was a percussionist for my high school, and I played. Uh, I, I've been a percussionist since fourth grade. Uh-huh. Probably fourth fifth grade, and um. I knew right away I wanted to be a percussionist because I've been playing percussion since my father got me into percussion when I was three years old. Alright. Uh, so I've been playing percussion regularly since three years old and they're like, join FDCI, which is drum corps. It's, it's drum corps international, drum and bugle corps, meaning only, per, only brass instruments, percussion, and then color guard or auxiliary core um and then front ensemble synthesizer application whatever um and if you want to and oh don't even get me started on the fdci amplification problem mm-hmm. don't even get me started I'll, like, I'll go into that rant for about an hour yeah let's I, let's I perhaps move on slightly, i am just very slightly anti-amplification just just slightly yeah um and uh, so and I joined it, and they're like, you know, you are center snare marching band. You're top chair percussionist. Join as a percussionist. And I'm like, okay. So I joined Florida Heat in 2015 for open class because I don't want to go world class yet. They let me in. I played pit percussion, which... Basically, I stood on the sideline and then played basically every instrument there. Um, basically, all the, at, at, at the same time. Uh, it, was, it was a very interesting time, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to play tenor, which is what I did and what I mainly did in high school. So, I go in, the season ends, I go around, I start looking around, I'm in, I'm in college now. And I get a call from 
a guy named. It's good. Because right, I don't really remember his name. Um. I get a call from this guy named uh, David Eunice. All right. Who was the lead core director for Santa Clara Vanguard. All right. In Santa Clara, California. Uh-huh. So they wanted me to, for through my summer break, through some of my spring college and then summer break, to play tenor or snare for their core. Alright. So, of course, being me, I really had to think about this decision. And 10 seconds later, two, and 10 seconds later, $2,500, and I was on my way to Santa Clara College. Alright. Um, and so, I'm over there now, and they're like, well... You know, we're doing this show. You have this book. You know, memorize it. And I'm like, all right. I'm the first one memorized with it because, you know, 2016 was a 2016 was a very interesting show for. Uh, 2016 was a very interesting show for uh, Santa Clara Vanguard. We did Force of Nature that year. Okay. And which, mm, strange show, really weird uniforms. Um, for those, and so if you don't realize, our uniforms are made of wool. Oh, I can see where this is going. And the heat of the summer in Santa Clara, California. Would be Let's really say- hot. Yeah. And this was like around the first years they were getting in summer uniforms for us to train in. So and it was and it was at this time that I started realizing that I was really into gods. Oh, okay. Very interesting situation here because if basically at this point the summer uniform was for men was short shorts and shortless. Oh, here we go. Um, yeah, here we go. And uh it was a very interesting situation for three years of my life until the stupid rules made me age out. Mm-hmm. And and I well, I played a tenor for uh, for Force of Nature, and then for um, and then uh, for uh, 2017 Ouroboros and 2018 our show called Babylon. Uh-huh. Um, we I, I I ran snare, uh-huh. and um, I think before this interview I sent you a video of 2018, and it is. A, it was quite a nutty performance. Yeah, I've I've seen this, it. It did did seem a bit over the place and a bit loud. I mean, I don't know if yeah, this is really I, my thing, but I think you probably yeah. did well. I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, did well. Perfect segue. 
into um, the individual and individual ensemble contest. Mm-hmm. So, individual ensemble contest was a where we basically had to take a solo in our instrument. And 2016, I did a solo written by uh, I think it was Brent Knopfler, something like that, and I got third place. Uh, worldwide, so I need a worldwide tournament. It's a worldwide competition, and it's okay. judged the same as DCI. Right. Um, and DCI is judging on a point scale from, from zero to one hundred. Um, most world class cores always get between eighty six and ninety. Basically, between eighty six and one hundred, no one's ever gotten one hundred. Um, nobody's ever gotten a perfect one hundred, and it. it will never happen okay. because there's always some type of judge rigging or something like that going on um then i can i i can talk about that for days but i'm not going to so uh we go into I E competition and it's worldwide there's guys from like you know europe one of the guys from uh top secret was there um and they are a drum line that's from Scotland. All right. And they are just out of this world. They are the greatest individual drum line ever. And and that's not just me saying that. That's a, quite a lot of people saying that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would run. Um, I would run. And I ran my uh, my solo in 2016. And got third place, and the second and first place guys were one was from Top Secret, the second number the second place was from Top Secret, and number one was from is the center tenor player for the guy who won world for the guy who for the for the for the core that won world that year. Um, so I mean. I, I always some stiff competition, and then in 2017 I ran 2017 and 2018 I ran snare. 2017 I did a solo called tornado, and got third again. And then last year I did something that I had never done before, and I wrote my own solo called um. I think it was called Oculus. It was called Oculus. All right. And I won gold there. I won first. Wow, okay. And that, in that moment right there, and that's why, that's how I was, like, best snare drummer in the world, because I, I won first in the leading world competition for drumline, for, uh, for musical performers. That's in pretty top honor. And, it, I mean, and I got this, uh, the trophies in, Huge. It's, I, I would bet. I would bet. I mean, I mean, take take Healy Cup and probably make it three quarters that size. Ooh. Healy Cup's because the Healy Cup's huge. Right. Absolutely. They're just gigantic. Um, but then like, um, take it like three quarters that size. It's about four and a half feet tall. Maybe it gets up to probably around my mid torso uh-huh. and it's just a large trophy and it's got the names it's like it's like the Healy or the Stanley Cup it's got the names 
of everybody who won it before. Um, yeah, I I now get what you mean. That 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 would be a very very yeah. big driving. Yeah, and then we go to, uh, and then uh, in our the core itself, we do uh, a bunch of tours, and we get judged, and then the top twelve go to world finals in Indianapolis, and we Santa Clara Vanguard in twenty eighteen placed first in the world in world finals and so we got the founders trophy I got another trophy and a medal there for winning Uh INE I also won general effect percussionist um, just because I mean I, I guess they liked me I don't know um, even though it obviously should have gone to uh, that guy from Carolina Crown, um, the dude who almost broke his drum uh, one time with with the stick with the uh, with the back sticking, he almost oh, okay. broke his drum, and this dude like flipped sticks all over the place. It was it was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, this guy was really getting into it, and he I think he he should have won general effect percussions, not me, but you know. I got it, I guess. I mean, I mean, it's nothing like it's nothing crazy. I don't think it's just like, and it's it's not even that. I mean, it, it's it's difficult probably to get. It's it is difficult to get that. Mm-hmm. You have to go through a lot of stuff. The spring training, which is basically thirty days straight of just pure work. Like you don't get to go home. You don't get to like you don't see your family it's like boot camp oh okay for like 45 days straight every day we'd wake up at like five o'clock oh we'd be on the field practicing by 5 30 right get a three-hour practice in and then have breakfast okay it was and then have another five-hour practice. Oh. Then lunch. Right. Then a six-hour practice. These just keep getting longer and longer. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of those practices are split. So we'd have just color guard on the field at one point, and then we'd have... Not, I was, it was... It, that, that one that one that six hours was two hours just color guard. Two hours just instrumentation, and then two hours all together. Right. Every day for forty-five days. Oh, yikes! Uh, I, jeez, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I can survive that. But yeah, obviously um, you have. I, let's just see. Um, at, I when I started in, and the funny thing is that they actually weigh you. Um, like between day one. In day 45, they weigh you in between. On the first day going in, they weigh you in. I was about 260. Going out on day 45, I was 204. Oh. I had lost close to 50 pounds just from the sheer work of marching alone. Oh. In the sweating, 
and the water weight that I was getting off and like mm-hmm. the lack of being able to eat whenever I want to. Yeah. Um it, it 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 really kills you. And it's Oh, uh, but I mean it's cool. Going from but going from high school to going from high school where you're just doing it for a show to because we never got judged. We were never a competition band in high school. We were what's called a show band. We just did a show, mm-hmm. and we never got judged for it. We would go to uh, we would go to like band reviews. We would never do band competitions. Then going into FDCI, where everything is judged from from and if you, and this is why no one will ever get the perfect one hundred. And it's because if one person is a millimeter off. On one set out of 450, you get docked. Oh. They are thorough. And they don't they don't mess around. They Sorry. don't. Well, um I think that's enough talking about FDCI yeah. for one day. Yeah, um, I think so. Let, let's I, 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 Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can go. Uh, I, I would say I, I thoroughly enjoy saying how was your time. If I thoroughly, I, I I think I I wish I could do it again, and I did cry when with the age out run, with the age out ceremony, and uh, you when you get the uh, the necklace with the with the vanguard, and it says um, and it says I. Oh, it doesn't. Why do I, Why do they think it's sending them clowns? This ain't Cavaliers. <laughs> wait. Wait, I got... I, hold up. Yeah. Who is this? Yeah, it does say Send in the Clowns. I forgot. I was thinking uh, Cavaliers has uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. All right. On their... Uh, on their... Because that's their core song. Uh, we are... Our, our pendants. We have pendants that came from it. It has the Santa Clara Vanguard logo. The... This, the... Uh, the uh, the coat of arms and the and the sword, mm-hmm. and then and then on the back it's just sending the clowns twenty eighteen, age out twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a it's a it was an awesome little pendant. And everyone gets it. Well, that's that's good. Um, and, anyway, moving on to your basketball career, let's start off oh, your God. time in Ohio. I mean, you're oh. already seven foot six. Pretty yeah. tall. Being, so, I, mean, I, was, I was, I think I was about seven foot three getting into uh, oh. Ohio, oh. and I just kept growing. I just kept going. I mean, it's like they're like, you know, I'm like they're like looking at me and like every they're just like looking at me. Their eyes are slowly going upward. Like, I remember the coaches finally meeting me, and they're like. And they and they're like they're like looking. I walk into the room and I just see their their heads slowly just go up, like it's like slowly their eyes just like slowly going to my face. And they were sitting down and I was standing up. They're like, hmm. and like every like every um like every inch they had to move up. Their face just got like. Paler and paler for for the for the head for the head coach and the general manager. I just saw the money signs flash into his eyes, and it was like 
yeah, I, I, they knew I was going to be their, their guy. And, and, uh, they, they didn't put me on starting for the, for my first half a season. Mm-hmm. They didn't play me for the first half season. Right. Because they wanted me to, like, learn through watching. And then, um, and then, uh, little did they know, I was watching film. I would be in a lot, when, when they would, they weren't playing, I was either in the stands or I was in the locker room watching, watching tapes. Ah, okay. Watching film, (laughs) because... I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those. I'm I'm one of those. I can read a play. I I, I wanted to learn how to read a play, and mm-hmm. I was like, I suck at reading plays. When I was in high school, you know, I I was a I was a blocking king. All I had to do was stand there, hold my hand up, and just move my hands around. I was like a catcher. I was like a baseball catcher. All I had to do was just move my glove, like catch it, you know. And I was like, you know, and I was like just like gone. Get out of here. Woo. And then I'm in college. And they're like reading me. And they're like slipping by. And I'm like, how do I stop that? And so I start watching film. And I'm watching film of like, oh, uh, you know, Siegfried Roman Norin and all these big budget centers, you know, mm-hmm. Zach Tate yeah. and all these other, Diane Kubinick and all these other guys. And uh, all of us are friends now. Oh, and, right. and uh and also another guy I another guy was a big inspiration to me in college, um, after something we're probably gonna talk about is uh Crosby Stutters. Oh, okay. I saw him on T V and when I was I was in the hospital for a very specific injury that I have a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll be getting um, to that. We'll be really getting into that. Um, and uh, and uh, I was watching him on TV when he was still playing for um, the, the school he played for. And then I was like, that guy, I'm going to learn his technique. And, uh, and you, you'll definitely see, um, if, if anybody goes and watches my film, watches my film back, you will definitely see that Crosby Stutter style coming in my senior year mm-hmm. it's, and it's, it was an interesting style it's a very interesting idea and with, with me being 7 foot 6 I mean height is obviously an advantage in a sport where the taller you are sort of the better as, as, as my, in my position being awesome. center um, the taller the better mm-hmm. like and you know, and and then it sort of made me realize just how tall I am. When I would see guys on my team like walking up to people in the in the crowd, and they would be like a foot taller than them, <laughs> and then I would be a foot taller than them. Oh, <laughs> and it was like, you know, you know, you know, somebody's in the audience. You know, five foot six. They're six foot six. They walk over. They're a foot taller. And then I walk up. I'm a foot taller. <laughs> and I'm like, am I am, am am I walking on stilts my whole life, or am I like, is it real? 
Uh, and then, <laughs> and I was I was fine. The first like the half the second half of my freshman year I was on bench, and then sophomore year I started playing center. Uh-huh. And then we get into, uh, uh, and we're and I'm playing I'm playing starter, right? And uh, and uh, and you know I'm I'm just blocking shots, getting assists all over the place, and then um, and then I'm suddenly as I'm a sophomore, you know, sophomore, I'm probably not the best but I'm close and then in 20 but I was a, when I was a sophomore I um I did something that I think was one of the best decisions of my life um which is where I publicly came out as pansexual I I saw that that was that was very brave of you to do so and thank you and it was it was a very it was a very tough it was it was sort of hard for some people to, um, to get to grasp but um what, what happened was uh basically um uh, there was this guy um on the railer team uh it was my because i was always done with my season at after that point it was after my sophomore year season and then when it comes up to my junior year season 2018 or not, not 20, 20, 2017. Yeah, it'd be 2017. And, um, and, uh, I'm playing a game against Brailler. And this guy named Chase Hellwig, third quarter of the game, in the shot, at home, I block him. He goes down. He, I, you know, I'm like trying to help him up. I help him up. He gets up, bam, to the face. Wow. And then, thirty minutes later, I wake up in the. Lo- um. I mean, I mean, if it was a really, really hard punch, I mean, you're, you're was, knocked out. I mean, it was. I couldn't see out of my right eye. jeez. All I could see out of my left eye was blood. Oh. And and my spit tasted like metallic and then sour. Oh. I would then be told that that was spinal fluid I was tasting. Oh. Um it's it's known Nowadays, as the punch, certainly I... the punch around the world, um, and uh, the one thing I can remember from that little point of consciousness was the point guard. <coughs> Sorry, yeah, the okay. point guard, and he was. Uh, I had. Shooting guard on my on shooting guard on my as my vision slowly returned to my right eye. Shooting guard was on the right side, helping holding a uh, holding something. I think it was holding like my arm or something. And the point and uh, small forwards over there, power forwards by the power forwards by the door blocking out the reporters. 
and I'm like, where's the point guard? I then notice the point guard in the corner of the locker room shaking and bawling his eyes out. And it was this moment when I realized, you know, this guy, this this kid, he was a he was a freshman, I think. I, I think yeah, probably you're right. he was. I bet you he was a freshman, and he, I'm. He's pretty sure he's like, and I'm in, and I and I know he's in the hospital. He comes up to me, he's like, I thought I had just seen a man die. Thought I just saw someone die, and I was like, you know, it was it was a it was a, it was a moment, and then this guy gets on. This guy Chase Hill has the audacity to get onto an interview and let slip that one of the reasons that he punched me was because of his opposition to my coming out story. I, I remember that. That I I remember at the time. I mean, I wasn't... Yeah. It, this was before FSN, mind... Oh, well, this was right before FSN, mind you. I remember mm-hmm. saying on... Volpa Sports knows that that was probably one of the most disgusting acts I've ever seen a player do. Like, yeah. there is no room for that kind of behavior in this this modern society. He, and apparently he lost his scholarship. As I probably would say rightfully so for something like that. Like, yeah, that was, that or, was an uh... absolutely terrible thing for him to do. And to yeah. do it to you, who has you have done nothing wrong in this situation, you've yeah, been. I, what I, I mean, I did get fouled. I did block him too. I did block. Yeah, but, but that um, that's kind of out of the point now. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I mean, imagine if like some, like if Matthew Blake in the Faffle accidentally like gives away a free kick, and then the guy just goes bam, but he knocks yeah. him out, and he's got to come off on a stretcher. That's yeah, the exact well, same I, thing that's happened here. I mean, I mean, I the game uh, apparently I uh, from I I mean I don't remember anything from basically I all I all I know is I was told because the entire game everything after me getting lunch at oh, what was it where was it probably. Badger King. How do Badger King? Speaking English of Badger King before that game is the last thing I remember of that day. I mean Because the punch hit me so hard and I was I was so unexpected. It caused me to have a major concussion led to memory loss of that day. And I to this day I still don't remember everything. I mean, I I would be surprised if it wasn't a huge concussion after that. Like that was it was, it was sickening. And uh, and what I remember was, and then, um, and they're like, and I remember going in the hospital, and then I come out, you know, and I I wake up finally with. Basically, van gauze all over my head, my nose. My, by the way, my nose had been punched in. By the way, God. um, 
uh, it was it was to the point where they had to complete. I, I think they they probably had to rebuild most of my bone in my nose. It was oh, shattered. God. Right eye socket was shattered. Oh. Orbital bone was shattered. Oh. Bit of the front of my skull was shattered. It was it was bad, and it was so oh, bad that and the and the injury was so bad that. I was put into a medically induced coma for a week. Yeah, I. I so that I, I, that I was I was intubated in a respirator because just my breathing through my nose could have possibly caused it to collapse. Um, it was a bad, it was a bad incident. Um, I, I and I after that I was out for. Uh, a few games and then I was finally in the lock I was finally allowed in the lock finally able to dress for a game sat on the bench and then comes the game that well I know it was like three games it was three games yeah and then I dressed mm-hmm. for our game against Great Lakes Mammalia and I, I had that game is a blur Mm-hmm. But I I mean I remember a buzz I mean I things I remember about that game just so random. I remember somebody in the crowd shouting my name like one time and I turn and it's my uncle. I remember my uncle was in the crowd. I remember my point guard shot for like 30 points, something like that. It was something just mental. Uh-huh. And then I had probably the best game of my entire of my entire career. What was it? I'm, I'm reading right now. It was eight blocks. All right. 16 points. Yeah. Eight turnovers. Yeah. And like nine assists, Ooh. and I was player of the game. Well, if it's like that, certainly. And, I, I don't think then, anyone would disagree. And then um, they try to interview me after the game. They're like, "Hey, you're player of the game. Like, how do you how how do you like what what was like what was going through your mind in this performance?" I have seen the interview. They finally let me watch after a year. Of it being cut, it, it wasn't cut from the program. It was live TV. Mm-hmm. Was not cut, but the tape was the tape from the live session. That live interview was confiscated from me. I was not allowed to watch it for over a year, while the coach was being accused of endangering me by putting me on the court that day. I mean, I saw it all at the time. I mean, it was a brilliant game from you, but if I'm honest, Uh, you probably didn't... There was no right for you to be on there with the condition you were in. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, From apparently... And I finally watched it. Unintelligible, blubbering mess of just random words trying to string them together 
and then covering my nose looks drip of crimson walk backstage or walk walk in the locker room uh it's more stumble into the locker room and um it was a very interesting moment oh 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 what is the one Alright. Yeah, you're still there. I think so. I think I'm still on. Yeah, sorry, the uh something happened with my sound. Um I thought something happened with my sound. Nah, um, you're, you're coming in you're sound. coming in good, Kaz. You're coming in good. Okay. I'm coming in good. Yeah. Alright, so like that after it was basically the after just like it was it was it was the thing talked about on FSPNU mm-hmm. on like even F Spin U did stuff on it. F Spin U yeah. did stuff on it. And I was like, why? Why are you doing stuff on this? Like, it's it's literally just and I, I, I remember going on like, hey, are you finally able to talk? It was the most hilarious it was I was because I was still on the pain meds. Oh, okay. Um, at this point, and it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like I was. I mean, I wasn't going crazy with them. It wasn't like I was on morphine like I was, but for a bit there. Oh, oh, my morphine interview. Mm-hmm. It's it's never seen daylight. It never will see daylight because I had the tapes destroyed. <laughs> it will never see daylight. Well, and I, well, we'll see. I've heard t- people say, "Oh, the tapes have been destroyed," and that and. It somehow pops up somewhere. So it, uh, if it pops up, if it pops up, I need to know who to go to because heads will roll if that gets released. I, it was it yeah. was it was a it was a bad bad moment. It was something alright. I'll take your word. I'll take your word. It was something alright. Alright, okay, um, anything else you want to talk about, about your time at Ohio State? Hmm, there's some stuff that happened in the locker room. Uh-huh. That I can't, there's a story, there's some stories in the locker room I can maybe talk about. Um, things like, uh, the, um, where we, the point guard, uh, it was, um, my junior year, this was before the punch. Right, and this was like his point guard. He was a freshman, and we, um, we, what we did was, uh, what we would do is one game. It's a home game. We took the stuff out of his locker. Somebody got his locker combination, and we took all of his stuff out of his locker, and then placed pieces. Like we placed one shoe in one locker, and then another shoe in another locker. And then the shirt of his jersey in one, and then like his shorts in another, and then his socks like in like one of the foot lockers in there. And we we just hate all of his stuff around, and we made a scavenger hunt. Hmm. That was a moment. I bet you he wasn't too happy. <laughs> yeah. He, oh. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Um, there was a time where we, um, oh, what did we do? We, uh, it was, it always had stuff to do with his locker. 
always had something in his locker, or or his or his shoes, or his shoes, because he you know he he was like talking about like how he had some college deal with Reebok. Uh, he basically just bought a bunch of Reebok. He basically bought like like custom Reebok shoes for his for it uh, for for his performance and for for his for his games. And we would like take his shoes. Took a sh- we or we um took his shoes and we put um what was it? What did we do? Um, it had something to do with uh, his shoes and then glitter and glitter. I know that. Okay. I just remember exactly how the glitter got into his shoe because it was it, apparently somebody had. It, or it might have been like we just filled his shoes with glitter, uh-huh. and um, it was at one point we there was a part of our locker room where we had carpet carpeting in the locker room. I don't know why we did we did because we we knew this guy always had this tradition. Where he would take his shoes, turn them over, like look into his shoe, and then put it before he put it on. And they would do it for each shoe. We filled his shoes with glitter. Alright. And put him into his locker. His his part, number one, his part of the locker room had carpeting in it. Right. For some strange reason it had carpeting in it. Mm-hmm. Number two, we knew about this tradition. Put him in his locker, close his locker, nobody says a word. Right. He comes in, goes and put in his shoes, he takes he put takes the shoe, lifts it up, turns it over. Glitter all over the face. Jesus. And then you know <laughs> he's mad all over his face, all over the carpet, right? all over the floor, all around his locker. And then, you know, puts it on. The idiot, the sheer idiot, takes the other shoe, does does the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say, um, let's just say, uh, let's just say the, uh, the glitter ball jokes didn't end. Until the punch. Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, of course, the punch killed the mood of every game, and it just became Watterson City mm-hmm. at that point. But this guy was sort of liked by the fans, and the glitter ball chants were incredible. All over the place. They wouldn't stop for anything. They were all over. It was... It was Every, basically, anytime he would, um, anytime he would be on the bench, there would be somebody behind him going. There would be somebody. It was a game where he would let go. You know, like people in the crowd would like go. Like people who had like the real good seats in the audience would go like lean in and try to pick bits of glitter. Oh, Jesus! Out of his fur, and this guy. Um, I mean. Wasn't he didn't have like otter thick fur like I do? He had some thick fur. Jeez. And this guy made this guy had like 
took pride in his fur. He like he's been like growing it out since like childhood, oh. and it was like and it was like he said like I, it got to the point where I had to cut my fur, and I got and he's like I I almost got I almost got like it was like. God. Okay. And it was almost like, um, he told me, it, this was probably the first time in a while that his parents, like, his father really got mad at him. Because his father did the same thing. It was, it was tradition in his family for all the men to grow out their fur, like, really long. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he had to cut it. He just had to trim it, right? Just very slightly. Oh my god. I thought his father was going to disown him. Right then and there. Oh. I thought I thought I had just seen a man get disowned. We uh, the apologies couldn't have come the apologies couldn't have come faster. They couldn't have. But I mean uh you're a freshman. You'll get over it. Uh and he did get over it soon enough. I mean we we were great friends. Mm-hmm. We did some stuff with, we did some stuff with a small forward, um, who was just small forward had his own weird traditions. Like he would, he had, he had somewhat OCD, but not like full on OCD. Like he wasn't like like crazy with it, but he had he had his he had his traditions, he had his rituals, um, where he would he would like. He basically had like a like a shrine in his locker room, in his locker to um, oh I think it was one of his cousins mm-hmm. or something like that who like who like um died and some or something like that like or he was like missing or he was like something like that and mm-hmm. one of his cousins I had nothing to do with this straight up. I'm gonna say this right now. I had nothing to do with it. Alright. Somebody on the team um like found him somebody on the team like sort of figured out his routine and we started like he would go and like he would literally like sit at the shrine and just zone out 15 minutes. So then every time I mean, at first, I had nothing to do with this because I thought it was stupid. But, you know, he would sit there and we would all be doing things fine. And then he would sit there for like a minute, right? And then he would get up, look around. Everybody in the locker room was gone. We had made him think that he had missed the walkout. Hmm. Yeah. It was bad, and if it wasn't for me just getting out of the, uh, getting out of the, of my own little ritual thing I did, um, would, like, I would always go into, like, uh, the farthest corner of the locker room, and then, uh, basically, it's not exactly a prayer, not an invocation, but something like that, where I would like, sort of 
play armchair priest for the group or armchair philosopher where I would like basically just sit there and just meditate for like 10 minutes like the furthest corner of the locker room and like it's it was like and I walk out he's flipping out he's like this was his first game he was a he this was his first home game and we made him think that you know he we had all left in actuality we were all just hanging out hallway um but except for me of course but basically we would do that every time and it just became a thing where he would or he would go within and he would start exactly 10 minutes before before a walkout we would all go out of the locker room this is finally when they got me involved we, we would all leave the locker room and it would always be tradition for him to be the last guy out of the locker room. Mm-hmm. And he would, you know, when we would just wait there and do his own thing, we would sort of wait there and do our own little ritual thing there. And then he would go in. We would... It was just, it was a awkward situation. It was a weird little thing where we would, like, line up. We would sort of spiral around the whole team would sort of spiral we had a long large hallway um for the teams to walk out teams walking out and we would spiral in through this uh into the into in the hallway giant spiral and then he would come out get in his line in the spiral and then we would spiral out and make the line. Mm-hmm. Which was an interesting little thing, and that's sort of... That's, that's one of the things I remember are sort of pre-game traditions and rituals. And then I decided to throw my name into the... into the FBA hat. Alright. In the draft. And... that takes us over to... My FBA draft experience, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want to straight up talk about just if unless you just want me to skip this because I have a bit of an interesting couple of an, a, a little bit of an interesting take on this. I mean, I, it, it depends. I mean, we're kind of maybe running a bit long here, so it's your choice. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We may be running a little bit. Long. I feel like it's. I feel because like, I, I have a tendency. Um, and that might be why I'm running mm-hmm. on a bit long. Might be why I'd be running a bit long. If you want to yeah. cut out some of my useless bantering, you can. But because um, I know this is live, um, mm-hmm. we're running this. Probably, I think we're running this recording. Yeah, it's a recording. So, it's a recording, so you can edit some stuff out mm-hmm. if you need to. But you know, and I was in, because I was at the you know in the combine we did. I was ranked 16 in the top 24. Alright. And they said, I was almost guaranteed to go day one. Now I say almost guaranteed because come the day of the draft, I'm not day one. Yeah, I was I was there. I was kind of shocked. I, know, I was like, I was sitting there 
and and I did some cool stuff, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people either thought I was a annoying, b just a street performer, or c tried to give me money. I actually had people try to give me money for this because I would because I came in full Babylon Santa Clara Vanguard uniform. The whole thing. This was right. This was right after we won the world championships, mm-hmm. and they let me keep my uniform for the year. All right, and because you know it's it's tradition for the age outs keep their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kept my uniform. I come out full Babylon uniform, as well as the full wool uniform. I had the I had the um. But I'm wearing full Babylon uniform outside outside of the area. My snare drum on my stand. And I'm just sitting here tapping out. Just in the middle just right out right outside, right out front. And nobody knew it was me. Nobody recognized it. Because I had the full gear on, the mask, everything. You know the the whole nose mouth covering face mask. And if you you probably saw me there, you probably you probably some people probably knew it was me. Just like the actual people who were you know doing the draft commentary, most likely knew it was me. Uh, um, you know, my uh-huh. there might it's freaking out here. Okay. So, um, and so I, I walked in, you know, and they're all like, oh, you know, and I, you know, I, I do my performance 30 minutes before I have to go out. I go back to my hotel room, which was like real close. I get changed in my suit, come back in. I take my seat. I'm, com- I'm totally ready. I'm like, I'm going today. Whoever I get, I'm staying with. I have I have a big thing about loyalty, mm-hmm. and uh, loyalty runs deep in my family's tradition, in my history, and everything. And I had I basically said, I get drafted to a team, I stay with that team till I retire. Right. Like that's what that's that's sort of my mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna change teams. I'm not gonna you know wheel and deal with teams for contracts. No, I. I go with what I'm given, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Just it's, you know, it's this team do or die, and you know I will ride this team that I get picked till their friggin' wheels come off. You know, until they stop being a team, I'm on their team, and and so with all this happening i'm just i'm like okay day one's going first pick of course terry o'toole yeah it, it was everybody oh. everybody knew it was going first mm-hmm. uh, okay, and i'm like all right of course you know he was gonna go um then you know second pick you know whoever then people start getting picked number 10 hits and i'm like Okay, now I'm finally starting to get to my time because I was 15. 15 hits. I'm like, okay, 
I'm getting up here. 16 hits, I'm not chosen. Now I'm starting to think here. And I'm starting to think, is it, is it because of something else I did, like, before the draft? Or is it just because they, they suddenly took a second guess on me? Hmm. You know, and then 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, last guy hits, I'm like, okay, I'm going. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Uh, last guy hits. I'm like, okay, I'm going here. I'm not picked. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, slightly heated. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm humbled. <laughs> <You know? coughs> and so, day two comes. You know, I, I sleep it off, whatever. Day two comes. I, you know, I'm there. I, I get out there like three hours early, do another round of playing, this time in my actual Sinclair Vanguard, full red and white uniform, uh, the whole, like, the, the strap and everything, uh-huh. whatever. And then, um, and then, you know, 30 minutes later, 30 minutes until, go in, get my suit, walk full, walk out. Um, or get chained. No, this time I didn't. I packed my suit in a bag that also kept my sticks and my my drums. I kept it in my drum case. And I, I was like, you know what? This is I'm I I know I'm probably gonna get drafted. I'm just gonna straight up make this my march to glory. I glide step marched. Like the entire way from the outside of the arena to backstage to get changed, then all the way back, I I basically marched in perfect step the entire length of the arena. Hmm. And I was like, okay, and that that should have opened their eyes. Twenty sixth pick. Bangers on the bangers on the clock. Perk bangers on the clock. Original. Mm-hmm. And then I get suddenly they're like, okay, Edmonton's giving up their pick and one pick in this draft, in this draft, in the next draft, third round pick in the twenty twenty draft. So much money in their cap space. And their firstborn child, basically, basically, mm-hmm. to to switch to this position to trade up. Edmonton's now on the clock. Forty-five seconds later, and Edmonton totems select Cassius first, and I'm like, okay, cool. I was wanting to, and if I'm gonna, if I. I was wanting to get picked by Santa Ana. I was wanting Santa Ana. Because then I'm in California. And I'm used to California. Alright. And I can just possibly, if I ever want to, drive over to the Santa Clara, to the Vanguard compound. Alright. And work with them if I ever wanted to. And, And then I'm getting told, 
pack your bags, you're moving to Edmonton. And I'm like, okay. You know, because I, I know I'm sort of like, I'm sort of not really realizing where, what I'm, what the scope of this is. And I'm like, okay, where's that? They're like, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. And so, you know, we're working here. And then I, I get moved over there. Now I'm with the totems. All right. Okay. Practice is nuts. I, I'm used to practice, right? I'm used to all that. But then this was like, okay, this is a bit. This is a bit of a challenge. I wasn't used. To, I wasn't really. I wasn't really truly prepared for the FBA scene. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it was going to keep like SCAA and work with like you know smaller. You know, I was thinking it was just going to be a little bit of change. It's not a little change. It's not. I I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if you one of the sorry for interrupting, if you want to play into your stuff, you can. I mean, it's it's all right. It's all right. Oh yeah, because I I was I was. Oh yeah, so like, and I mean, I was terrified to be out there on a court. I, I was on that court. Bed Noir Pavilion, you know, you know these guys were once the blanks. Yeah, these guys had one of the heaviest turnarounds in the history of the FBA in 2014. Yeah, when the new owner friggin' fired everybody. Yeah, and so I know I'm I know I'm taking way too long, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shimmy through some parts here. Yeah, you know, let's, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. This is running on about probably two hours now. Um, uh, an hour and a half. Hour and a half? Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I do tend to run mine. Um, but, like, I'm on the court. Ben Orville, an aggressive crowd. Mm-hmm. Okay? They are known for being aggressive. I mean, they don't call them, you know, they don't call them you know you don't call them a militia for nothing like they are militant vocal angry sometimes most of the time probably actually and they are not you know they they don't mess around you make a bad play the other team makes a bad play they are going and I get first home game I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dressing, getting ready, and then I walk out. They call my name. I walk out. I'm on bench. Uh-huh. I suddenly look out. I go up. I look out. It's a packed house. Yeah. Completely packed to the rafters. People are standing level packed. Like, it is, like, the skyboxes are packed, the suites are packed, everything, just entirely, just, there are no empty seats in this thing. And I'm like, I have, I have to take a breath here, I have to take, I have to take a double, I have to do a double thing here. Play the first game, I'm fine. Play the whole rest of my, play the whole season, basically, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Put on a deep reserve, 
I'm in the rookie showcase. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Right? We did get our we did get our asses handed to us in, in the in the rookie showcase. That's an example. Uh-huh. Um I was on bench basically the whole game. So like whatever. Um then I start noticing a little something after the rookie showcase. I start noticing I'm on I'm sort of on I'm sort of on reserve here. I'm not exactly on I'm on bench, but I'm on sort of reserve. And I start noticing back behind me, there are people bringing paper sides with black lettering that just say Watterson section. Mm. I then realized I was like, okay, cool. There, you know, they, they might start and they might be noticing that, you know, my father is doing stuff. And I'm like, suddenly my inner brain's like, stupid. The for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was screaming at this point. Inter- I was internally screaming at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, water sections will go now. We're in the playoffs. They are insane. Locker room's crazy. Me creating the totem's D-line was nutty. Mm-hmm. And that was that was an idea that I sort of came up with. And it's starting this year. Um, starting next year, the totem's D-line. And it's a it's a full-on drum line uh-huh. done from done for for the team, right? I'm writing all the music. I'm Trading their uniforms. In fact, I have I have the draft of their uniforms ready to go, ready out. They're being made. Everything's ready to go. I'm in the playoffs, right? We're we lose first round. Okay, losing six games. Awesome. Not awesome, but you get. Yeah, no. But then during this time, halfway through the season, I meet a um shall I call him bigger guy. Yeah. Named Tyron Appleby. Mm-hmm. I've and this guy. I've actually done a podcast with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this guy. Okay, if, if everybody, okay, and I know I'm probably sleeping on the couch for this tonight, but if ever in my, I never thought before I met him that I would ever see a furry, like, I never thought I'd see a, a, a wolf, timber wolf, that was an actual sphere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tyron's a pretty big fella. I've, I've met him. He's, he's yeah, he is a, he'll, he'll he's even a admit it. Very large, for, yeah, he'll admit it too. And, uh, and I was like, okay. Because before this, I was into like, and I'm not gonna lie. I have a preference for. Mm, I'm straight. I'm just gonna say I have a preference for birds. Uh-huh. Okay. I I am a, a birds make my body type. Uh-huh. Spot on. My spot on body type. Uh-huh. Tyron is a different type of body type altogether than I've ever seen before in my life. And I'm thinking. Okay. I'm not sure if this guy knows my story yet, but we meet, because for some odd reason he decided, hey, I'm just going to show up at, a, at an Edmonton game. He was, mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was on the D, 
he was on the uh, injured list, injury list at the time. Yeah, he, he got he got a uh, hurt early in the season, and I don't think he played another yeah. game that year. I think I think that's that's kind. Of, I mean, they'd made it to the playoffs the previous year with him, Montreal, and then he got hurt this year, and they didn't make it. So I think. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he did. I, I think he'll he'll probably be playing next year though. Yeah, he'll be playing next year. So he'll be playing next year because I know he's recovering. Um, I know he's recovering. I live with him, but like, <laughs> or I'm trying to live with. Him. I can't because he has to live in Montreal. I have to live in Edmonton. Yeah, for contractual purposes. But um, you know, and you know, and I was like, I'll give this guy a shot. I get up to him. He comes up to me, and I'm like. I think I know you. And he's like, I'm Tyron Appleby. You know, and I'm like, quarterback from Montreal. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, I know about your story. And I'm like, okay, there's that awkwardness out of the problem. <laughs> um, first, of that's my brain. Like, okay, stuff. Not going to be so awkward. Second of all, I have never seen this type of body before, and I am loving it. I'm not going to lie. First time I saw him, hooked. Hmm. And it was it was a very interesting... I am usually into that, as I said before, I'm usually into that fan bird-like body type. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, I mean, and so there's that whole deal. We start dating. FMZ gets, gets hold, gets, gets word that we're dating. Hmm. They want to do an interview. And for those, and, and, and for you, and for those who are probably going to listen to this, I hate FMZ. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. I hate what they stand for. I hate what they do. I hate their type of reporting. I hate slander. And I hate the owners. And I hate the owners. So, I mean, what? I mean, what are you gonna do in that situation? So, and this guy's like, okay, we want to sit up and interview, talking about you and Tyrone. I literally, and this is the. I, I, I don't think I'd ever, I ever, I've never been so like, some, I've never been offended over an interview, over an interview of that time before. I literally told the guy, and I quote, to pound salt. <sighs> and I think I've been blacklisted from FMZ now. Well, that's good. From, from my complete, I just, I don't like them. They're talking like, okay, Canada, what's your favorite player? And I'm like, I'm not even on this list. It's like the top, it's like the top 25 most, most, like most, uh, most popular player, FBA players in Canada. I think, I'm I, I, I think I know why you're not on that list. It was from, yeah. it was from Canada, not in Canada. That might have been why. <laughs> But then I'm like, <laughs> I have a fucking section. Yeah, you do. This guy, the, the, the dude on number one, has some jersey sales. 
I have a section. I have a vocal section. And then, and then, you know, and uh, moving on with the tyrant situation, he comes over to my, right? Mm -hmm. And, well, he pulls up to my house. And for those who don't realize, I live in a modified shipping container. A modified shipping container? I live in a tiny house. Right, that's interesting. You know, one of those, like, super small, like, where there's, like, one room, and that one room has everything. It's Mm -hmm. like that, but taller. Alright. To situate my my height. In fact, you know how you are usually the uh, the the heights of rooms are eight feet. My rooms are eleven. My room is eleven and a half. Mm-hmm. And the doors are larger, every bigger. Because I the first house I lived in in Edmonton, I I didn't even break. First time I lived there for a week, and then um, and then thought. I thought I busted my head open at one point, I'm like, because I kept hitting the doorways, right. and I, and I was like, okay, let's move out of here, get my tiny house, then I get an apartment because I had this tiny house just bought, like I just paid for it, mm-hmm. and then so I moved into my tiny house, or I move into an apartment, and I am a minimalist when it comes to basically life in general. Right. I don't like having to. I don't like just stuff. I'm very condo-esque when it comes to my to my buying things. I only keep things that really make me happy, in a sense. Of course, I kept my Sinclair Angler gear, mm-hmm. and I kept my drums, and I kept my I kept my recording equipment. But then everything else, I have like my living room. If you ever talk. They'll tell you, my house, my living room is like a couch, a table, a lamp, and a TV, like a TV stand mm-hmm. and a TV. That's it. Yeah. I don't have. Not, that I sounds very have, minimalist. I barely. Ha- I don't have any art on the walls. I don't. Ha- I barely have any extra furnishings. It's very boring almost. But then it's sort of like. I sort of feel more at peace at my house than I would in a cluttered situation. It must have come from me. And number one, living in a mansion as a kid. Number two, having to live on high school gym floors for two for three years of my life, living working in Santa Clara mm. for the Vanguard, where we would get moved around and just have to sleep on the floors in gyms or like on blankets. Or cots, if they had them, if we were lucky. And look, and there was just there was like easily, easily a hundred and thirty people all crammed up on one gym, and I just I didn't like the cramped. And then this the stuff that I would have with my non-minimalist layout would just make me feel cramped, and it would just take me right back to that. And I, that's why I'm, that's why I just don't, I don't like collect, I collect some things. I don't really keep a lot of stuff. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. 
And I think that's basically my life, right? And that's like, that's like my life in two hours. Pretty much. <laughs> and I know, I know, it's a long, long interview. And I, I, I usually... Because yeah, you usually I kind of go on a bit. <laughs> I ramble, I get philosophical, be glad I didn't get political. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, that, that would have gotten pretty heated fast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you can see some of my other interviews to know how I feel about that. Um, all my views on government are very, very pseudo-anarchist. No, like, mm, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, um, it certainly is. I think we both kind of have a slightly different view on the world, but eh. yeah, but we have a different view on the world. I have a different view on philosophy. I'm a very mm-hmm. philosophical guy, um, and people tell me I'm like I'm a cultured guy too. Like I, I I love museums. I love music. I'm right. I write music. I write stuff. I'm writing a show for uh for an FDCI uh core that's not Santa Clara Vanguard actually. It's uh-huh. Uh, it's Emerald Emerald Regiment in uh, in well in Edmonton, um, and they're they're a brand new they're in brand new just got started this year, and I'm running their show. I'm directing their show over the summer, and it's it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be really fun, and it's a very interesting concept. The show. Um, which is, it's, it's called End of the Line, and it's literally about, it's like a journey from, like, the beginning to, it's like, it's basically a journey through Armageddon, and it's a journey through the end of the world, mm-hmm. and it's, it's what, it's called End of the Line, and it's, it's like this whole thing, it's like, like, the, it's sort of, it's sort of like it's very dark, but then in its in its writing, but then very like thoughtful in its writing as well. Where it's like the end of the world, it isn't coming, but when it does come, it'll probably be our own creation. I think I I probably agree with that if I'm honest. And there's a and and I I absolutely. I absolutely love, of course, I absolutely love the ballad, which is, of course, it's Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. um, tuned over to just be the brass, and it's just a, it's just a wonderful, and it's just brilliant. There's an awesome uh, solo in there from for the uh, soprano player, um, or lead soprano, and it it gets super high on one part. I know the guy's a screamer. He can hit it. And it gets up incredibly high in range. And it's 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 gonna be really fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun to write. Fun to see come together. Well that's good. Uh thank you for coming on to the sh- uh, part of the show. Kaz, it's been it's been a pleasure yeah. hearing what you've had to say. A pleasure going through your life up to this this has yeah, always been like this has always been this is your life except without the guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's basically this is your life only without um 
without my high school coach coming in and without me without Tyrone coming in without me giving you a big red book it's <laughs> yeah without Ateos coming in and then speaking somewhat broken English I think he's in, I think he's in Europe now I think he's playing basketball pretty sure he's playing Euro ball right now oh cool I think he might be coming into the draft. Well, that's good. Possibly. Possibly, yeah. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for meeting you. Thanks for being. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, talking. Just that's it. That's it. That's it. All right. Thanks for going on the show, Kaz. Uh, this is our pilot for hopefully what is a new series called FSN Interviews, or you might go with a title. Who knows? Let us know how we did, and if there's anything that you think we could improve on, just let us know. But I've been Wes Carey, I've been joined by Cassius Watson, we'll see you next time. See ya.